Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. I am the librarian Katrina. If you are new here, welcome. This is where I am reading through the enormous library of books you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and I tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, let me know what you think in the comments. This week's book is one of those contrary purchases of mine that I basically bought it because cancel culture has been trying to cancel this guy for a while. And the mainstream media thinks this guy is a sellout and the second coming of Satan. And because I despise cancel culture and he is not, in fact, an actual Nazi, I, I don't support Nazis, um, I bought his book, which is Beaten Black and Blue, Being a Black Cop in America Under Siege by Brandon Tatum. And I mean, if you don't live in a hole, you pretty much know who the officer Tatum is. And he has a YouTube channel of his own, way more successful than mine. Uh, where he voices opinions that are decidedly against the message. And because I added topical cocktails, this week I will be mixing up a black and blue, which is three quarters ounce cherry vodka, half ounce of raspberry liqueur, and a quarter ounce of blue Caraco. So let's do this. This book is not necessarily an autobiography. I mean, it sort of is, but it's not... He doesn't go with, you know, I was born on X date at X location. He covers key moments in his life and some of his heartfelt beliefs, starting with the importance of having a father in the home. And he says his parents were not together when he was growing up, but his dad was still a part of his life. And he brings up criminal justice statistics about fatherless children. I had none of the above. I had to actually buy everything for this week's cocktail. So I found cheap because I'm cheap. I'm broke. None of this is sponsored, so I basically just have to wing it. Oh, shit. I'm going to be making a double batch of this because my little measuring thing doesn't have three quarter ounce. It has half ounce, but it doesn't have one quarter ounce either. So I'm going to do double. I can double the recipe. I can math. I wasn't raised with common core math, so I can absolutely math. So there's that one. What I find interesting about this, the criminal justice statistics and fatherless children, this is like the third source of a completely different sort to discuss the importance of a two parent household. And understand none of the sources said that you should stay in a bad abusive relationship. They're just stressing the importance of having two people in the house when you're raising a child. The, the first one was Dr. Peterson mentions it in both of his books, I believe, 12 Rules for Life and Beyond Chaos. So, Chaos. so there was this psychological perspective of the importance of having a father in the home. Walter E. Williams mentioned it several times in the book I read last week, More Liberty Means Less Government. So from an economic perspective, having two parents in the home is critical. In last week's book, he talked about how basically they tried to replace the father with just the paycheck, which is how the welfare state came to being, and the catastrophic consequences that has had. It is not, in fact, the paycheck that makes the difference. It's the body. It's the person. It's somebody there who cares and will have communication with you as a father. And now we've got the criminal justice perspective. Um, and I do feel that it is important to point out that Officer Tatum is definitely not advocating staying in an abusive relationship. Okay, none of them were. Uh, children do not benefit from seeing abuse on a daily basis. However, if for whatever reason your relationship does not work out, don't be that man or that woman who turns your child's love into a pawn in a chess game. Um, and if your former partner is an utter fuck up, your kid's going to see that on their own. They don't need you pointing it out to them. They'll grow and identify it and learn. And and I have I actually seen this work out. I have several loved ones and um, close friends who never spoke an ill word about their former partners and their kids grow up fine knowing they were loved at home. And 
the fathers had every opportunity to step up and be a dad. Sometimes they did and the kids are fine. Sometimes they did not and the kids are still fine because mom and kid knew that mom did her absolute best to, to give the dad every chance to be a dad and that sometimes people just make bad choices and that becomes a learning environment for the kid to make better choices, do better. Um, I also know kids that their dad was there every day but was such a like, wasteoid piece of shit that his idea of being there was basically just playing video games all day and then yelling at the kids to do the dishes. Those kids are not so fine. There is more to parenting than just being in the same room. End that rant right there. So really, this book is a series of vignettes about kind of pivotal moments in his life that led him to become the Officer Tatum. And he starts with his first arrest. I think he said he was age eight for marijuana. That's not as drastic as it sounds, right? It sounds horrible, like, oh my god, an eight-year-old kid, sorry, smoking marijuana, oh my god. But the reason it's so pivotal is because his dad had kind of a come-to-Jesus talk with him about where he wanted to go in life. Um, and even at age eight, Tatum knew that this is not, jail is not where he wanted to be. This is not what he wanted for his life. He wanted more and better than that. Good god, that is some blue fucking alcohol. That's the importance of having a parent in the house who actually cares and will talk to you and treat you. I mean, a lot of fathers would have just grounded their kids and or spanked the shit out of them. I have no idea if he was grounded or got spanked, but his father talked to him and that was key. That was pivotal. Um, that had the impact. And so he was basically on track. It kept him more or less together. He graduated high school, went to college on, I think he said a football scholarship, planned to play professional football and then did not get drafted. And I, I mean, I don't mean he didn't get drafted like Terry Crews didn't get drafted, who was eventually drafted at the last possible moment. I mean, he received zero offers. So that dream was dead in the water. I mean, let me blend this. So now he's in a sticky situation. His fiance is pregnant. He has no job offers on the table. He's got, you know, a wife-to-be, pregnant, baby on the way. And being that he is a man and he had a man as a father figure. Oh, yeah, that is a purple fucking cocktail. Once I have a double batch, I'll have to have two shots, I guess. That is purple. All right then. So he starts applying for jobs. He, he knows he has to support his baby. He applies everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And because, I mean, everywhere, his application included Tucson Police Department. And he tells how he got the call to come in to, to proceed with the application process like the day after he'd had a fight with his fiance. So he's like, oh my God, she called the police on me. Well, no, he actually ended up going for a ride along with Officer Sean Payne, which I think he, I'm positive he has mentioned this on his own YouTube channel several times he tells that story. And the rest, as I say, is history. He covers his career going over the various positions that he held within the department and his track record as an officer. He covers his most memorable moments, and I mean, I teared up a bit reading it. It, it makes me happy that there are good men and w women willing to stand between me and evil. And, and there is evil out there, like unquestionably. If you don't believe it, just go watch interviews with Charles Manson or Ted Bundy. Right? Evil exists, and there are good men and women willing to stand between us and them. It's almost like grape Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's kind of what it reminds me of, grape Kool-Aid. There you go. I mean, I have guns, right? I even know how to use them. But truly, 
it is better to have a trained professional handle a situation that arises because their training is such that the majority of time use of deadly force is not going to be required. And that's the training that they receive. That's the training that they want to def defund and take away so that they're no longer trained to de-escalate a situation. You thought it was the Wild West before you take away that funding and see how wild it gets. He has an entire chapter where he covers some of the major media stories around police brutality and the media circus and the message that they are trying to convey and how America fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, this chapter was particularly eye-opening because it brings to light the other side of the story that is soundly ignored by the media and activists. And he's not disingenuous about it. He, he tells straight up, he talks about uh, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin and how Chauvin done fucked up. All right, he, he had no business being an officer, basically. His, his history was such that there was never going to be a good outcome for Chauvin. Didn't necessarily have to be George Floyd, but it would have been somebody because that was his record. And he says, you know who hates bad cops the most? Good cops. Because the bad cops make their job harder. They make it more dangerous. Bad cops erode trust and faith in the system. And I mean, I'm an anarcho-capitalist and I recognize the need for good cops. Uh, anarchy sounds great in principle, all right? I, I love that idea that <laughs> Dodge City, right, baby? But eventually, when there's true anarchy, there is always going to be some asshole who thinks he's the biggest swinging dick and he needs to be in charge. And those are those playground bullies who are going to insist we all pay tithe and tribute to them or they'll just take what they want. And the cops exist to make sure that doesn't happen. They exist to protect all of our rights. And he brought some food for thought to the table, especially specifically what, what struck me was no-knock warrants. The libertarian in me opposes no-knock warrants on principle, but it let me understand why they exist. He, he brought to light some aspects of it that I never would have thought of. Like, seriously, never would have thought of. Not sure that I can agree with them. I, I still don't know. I'm just, I'm still, I'm still kind of up in the air on that. But I can see his point, and I can see why in very select instances they, they may be necessary. So, um, I think the number one lesson that he tries to impart, though, and it's repeated throughout the book, is that cops are not racist, which I believe. I've always believed that. You truly can't do the job and be a racist piece of shit. And it's not just his experience. Uh, he includes stories from fellow officers and they all report the same. Officers are not racist. Again, every single one of them admits that bad police exists. And, but the good far outweighs the bad. The bad gets the press. Bad helps the media sell the message that they want sold. And it's that, that media trope. If it bleeds, it leads, right? Well, if it bleeds because a, shot, a cop shot it, that's going to be the top story. Uh, unless it's a white man who's bleeding. He also points that out, which was really interesting because he's not wrong. What was especially telling, I guess, is that several of the stories include encounters with Antifa, that white Antifa, calling the black officer racist. And then without a shred of irony, they're just like, you're a racist because you're a cop. And I, I've said it before. Have I said it before? I've said it before, but I'm not sure if I've said it on this channel. There is no more racist piece of garbage than your far left liberal. And I mean far left. The, the vast majority of America is in the center. So even if you're just a little bit left of center, it's nowhere near as racist as the vote blue no matter who crowd. Those people are fucking morons. 
because they're incapable of rational thought. They, you know what? I'm stereotyping and that's a bad thing. He talks about that too. Hell, I've talked about it. I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing that I hate where they call people snowflakes. It's dehumanizing. All right. You can't do that. You can't dehumanize people. And I actually don't, it may have been him, but it might have been one of the officers that, that contributed to the book. Dehumanizing language is bad for everybody. All right. They're not snowflakes. They're people. They have opinions that are different from yours. That doesn't make them bad. Okay. He talks about defending the police and who really gets hurt by that. I mean, it's, it's not the police, although they will hurt plenty, make no mistake. It's the community. It's the single mothers, the abused children, the battered women. That's who gets hurt by defunding the police. And it is a fact that the outstanding community aspect of the job is never discussed in the media. They never talk about the good stories, the good things, the, the amazing job that 99% of our officers nationwide perform never sees the light of day. One of the officers who contributed to the book is Officer Ryan Tillman, who started a community outreach program, Breaking Barriers Unlimited. I'll include a link in the de description. And it's, it's literally that. It's an outreach program to help build bonds between officers and the communities they patrol. I think it's amazing. I think the biggest complaint I had with the book, and not even a complaint because it was well written, the whole thing was, it was just, I guess, the biggest difference of opinion I have with the officer was the parable on how good cops build their career trajectory and get the good assignments that they want, which are typically built off of drug arrests. I mean, I get it. That's the go-to crime. It's easy to make arrests off of that. But I think that drugs should, at the absolute bare minimum, be decriminalized. I mean, if not made completely legal. And that's sort of a libertarian in me, but I understand his perspective too. He's, he's a cop and he is a black cop and that is going to shade his um, perspective on the matter because I mean I'm white bread middle class America drugs were not really an issue for me okay but growing up in mean, the black neighborhoods got hit hard with the the you know heroin and crack epidemics being flooded by government malfeasance I, I feel like that's not just a conspiracy theory like I actually read somewhere that yes the CIA did this <laughs> god bless America <laughs> god damn it so I understand his perspective. They're poisonous. They're poison to the community. I get that. But I think the decriminal, that decriminalization paves the way for treatment and reintegration to society. I mean, once somebody has an arrest record for drugs, it becomes exponentially harder to get on the straight and narrow, to clean yourself up and, and stay there. And that's just my opinion, but I mean, every job application everywhere asks, have you ever been arrested? And then they have to say, yes, I've been arrested for drugs. And then from that point forward, even if they get the job, if money goes missing from the till, they're going to be the first, first suspect because, hey, they're a drug addict. Maybe they stole the money for drugs. So I think that um, decriminalization and uh, treatment is a better path for, for drug users. So anyways, um, I like this one. It was a very fast read. The book was only 139 pages, which is partly why this review is so short. Um, I read it in a few hours. He addresses hot button issues succinctly. He doesn't drag anything out, but his passion for the topic just screams from the pages. If you want a quick read that will present different perspective, this is a good one. Uh, it will give you some quick talking points for, for debate, light debate, because you need to read more into it to really understand the topic, to, to have a full discussion. But it will allow you to present a counterpoint that a lot of people haven't thought of.
I think his main point is that media can't be trusted, which I think the vast majority of us have reached that conclusion over the last two years, for obvious reasons. And we need to work to build our communities, not tear them apart based on the say-so of some sus politicians who have their own motivation for building dissent. And remember, politicians' number one job is to get elected, their number two job is to stay in power. They don't give a shit about us. They're politicians. That's it for this week. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Let me know what you think in the comments, and I will see you guys next week. Let me know if that worked for you. I had one of my one of my friends recommended that I put that I announce the recipe at the beginning before I start mixing it. I think that worked better, but let me know if you think that worked better. If you prefer me to scramble and go about while I'm doing it, I will see you guys next week. Bye.